as Natalie and Matt Wilson come to read this very powerful text. Let's stand for the reading of God's holy word. The Gospel according to John, chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. This is the word of the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you so much for sending Jesus. Jesus Christ, thank you for choosing us to be your people, for calling us out of darkness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for enabling us to embrace Jesus, to see that he is the one the coming Messiah, the one who came, the one who's going to come again, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, thank you for these words which offer warning and also encouragement. And let us find that as we open this text. We love you and pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I want to draw your attention again quickly to verses 1 and 2 of John 16. Jesus says, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. A quote from one of those who beheaded one of the Egyptian Christians said this, There is great reward to be found on Judgment Day for those who spill the blood of these crusaders wherever they may be found. We live in a world that hates Christians. And the hatred is not new today. Hatred towards those who proclaim the name of Jesus has always been a reality. Jesus says it would be. With the world and the technology that we have, 
what once would take months or even years to find its way into a book that might inspire us as we read about martyrs can now be seen in its glorious detail as people who hate the cause of Christ, who hate those who worship the cross, those who align themselves in their primary identity as a Christian, we can see the death take place. And it seems to be growing in its intensity. It seems to be growing in its impact and its brutality. And though we seem like we're a world away, those are our brothers and sisters. I've been to places in the world where we worshiped quietly, not because our hearts were not on fire for the gospel, but because we couldn't sing too loud because neighbors might become suspicious and call authorities. And the authorities would come into this apartment room or in a building or an office building, and they would be rough, particularly on those who were leading the service. And those who were leading the service would go to seminary. Seminary for those ministers was prison place where they would often be beaten brutally because they believed in Jesus and wouldn't deny his name. But it's also a place where they would study and meditate upon the scriptures, waiting for a day, hoping for a day they would be released. Now imagine their family, their wives and their children, not knowing if daddy would return, and sometimes returning as a very broken man. Many people in this world, in fact, most Christians in this world, do not go to places of worship without fear. They go knowing that there is potentially a great cost. And though we don't feel that each day, each Sunday coming here, or we don't feel that when we attend women's brunches, or when we go to a a parents' meeting, or when the youth gather in small groups, I know you can sense it because it's true that the growing persecution is our reality too. It might not be with blood yet, But the days are coming where in this country, there will be some of you who will be tempted to fall away. There will be some of you who will have employers who say, you go to what church? The one that still preaches the word of God? The one that still believes Jesus is the only way? And some of you will be passed over for promotions. Some of you will be passed over For affirmation, some of you will be let go. Perhaps blamed for something other, but you know what it is. This is the world we live in. And Jesus said, as Christians, we would be hated. And he's right. And we feel it. And we see it. And we sense that it's only going to get worse. And it is. The world will hate you. Verse 18 of chapter 15. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Christian, The world will hate you. Christian, the world hates us. 
Seven times in these two verses, Jesus uses the word world, or six times. What does he mean by world? He means that system of the world. It doesn't mean every person in the world, even those who are not Christians, hate us. But he means that system of the world that is in hatred of God. That system of the world that has exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. That world, that's the world that Jesus is talking about, will hate us. But why? Because of our identity. Jesus says the world will hate you because you belong. First, he says, not to the world. Again, in verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But the moment you profess faith in Jesus Christ, the moment your life begins to reflect one who is longing to know and live the word of God, the world will hate you because you no longer are conforming to the pattern of the world. But you're being renewed. You're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the world will hate that. And the world will hate you. You don't belong to the world if you are in Christ. Therefore, they hate what is different. And Jesus is inside you. The Holy Spirit inside you. And the world hates that light. But Jesus also says the world will hate you, not because you simply don't belong to the world, but because you belong to him. He goes on in verse 19. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. My friend, of all the identities that you give yourself, this one is the primary. You, if you're in Christ, are a Christian. You belong to Jesus. He chose you out of the world. Paul says it so beautifully in Ephesians 2. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were in the world. We were of the world. We were in that world system. We believed that world system. Verse 4, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Christian, You do not belong to the world. You belong to Jesus. You are his beloved. But because of that identity, you will be hated. Not just our brothers and sisters in Africa. Not just our brothers and sisters in Asia. Not just our brothers and sisters in parts of Europe. Here, as this world changes, as our country changes, as our state changes, as our city changes, as our schools change, you will be hated. Your children will be hated. And Jesus said it would be. The world will hate you because you belong to me. But it goes on. He goes on. The world will hate you because it hates me. 
and the world will hate you because it hates my Father. Why does the world hate Jesus? Two reasons. His word and his work. His word. Jesus only speaks truth. When he walked upon the earth, he only spoke truth. Remember John 1? We started in September. In the beginning was the word. Jesus is the divine revelation. Jesus speaks the word of God. And the world, as Romans 1 has said, I've already quoted it, they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They do not like the word of God. And when we are people of the word and people of the cross, the world will hate us. But the world also hates Jesus because of his works. Look with me at verse 24. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. Those who were present when Jesus lived and watched the miracles Jesus did, they still hated him. He healed the sick. He fed the poor. He performed miracle after miracle that John in this gospel will say near the end that the whole world couldn't hold the books if everything was recorded. And yet, though he was perfect and just and kind and merciful and benevolent, he was hated. And in verse 25, Jesus says, They hated me without cause. So what are we to do, brothers? What are we to do, sisters? What are you going to tell your child who's about to go off to college or about to enter high school or about to go into middle school? Grandparents, what are you going to say as I know you look at this country and you wonder, what happened? Will it ever be different than it is now? Don't you see what Jesus has given us? He tells us, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. You see, that's what happens. At least that's what the devil thinks. That when this real evil comes against the people of God, when this real evil came against the person who is God, Jesus Christ, the thought was that the church would no longer exist. It would be annihilated. But it's not been annihilated, and it won't be defeated. It won't be defeated because Jesus Christ is head. He says so. But he gives us a warning. And the temptation... When the world begins to move aggressively against the truth of God, the temptation is to scatter. The temptation is to stop meeting as some are in the habit of doing. That's why the author of Hebrews, which most likely was a preacher, preaching a sermon, said in chapter 10, let us not give up meeting as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, give courage to one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. One of the means of grace that God has given us as a body is each other. 
It's each other. To share with each other the other means that he's given us, like the word of God and prayer. So listen for a few more minutes as I tell you what it is we need to do. First, brother and sister, expect persecution. Jesus is the one who said it, not Mark Davis. Jesus said, I've said these things to keep you from falling away. Friends, we need to wake up. The church has never been called to be a group of civilians in peacetime. We are soldiers of the cross constantly in battle until the day Jesus Christ comes. Because it's easy and comfortable for us to come to a place of worship, to have Bible studies in our house, to pray with a brother at Corner Bakery, to open the scriptures in a Starbucks. Here in Dallas, you're not going to be persecuted that much yet. But my friends, we are never Christians that are civilians at peace. We are soldiers in the midst of a war and will be until Christ comes. We need to wake up. We need to remember that and arm ourselves as the Lord has called us to. So first, it's an expectation. We're in war. We're going to be in war. It is a persecution that Jesus said would come over 2,000 years ago. Secondly, we need to continue to meet together more and more. For many of you, it won't be a temptation to no longer belong to this church. But your attendance might dwindle. You need it. You need to be here. You need to be encouraged by me, and I need to be encouraged by you. Don't give up meeting. Third, we need each other to remind each other who we are in Christ. Your primary identity is not American. Your primary identity is not Texan. Your primary identity is not some hobby you have. Your primary identity is that you belong to Jesus Christ. And as a Christian, you are hidden in Christ perfectly. Fourth, we need to remember his words and his work. That's why the world hates Christ. That's what we must embrace constantly. His word, his work. Fifth, and this one's hard, but it's what Jesus told us to do. We're to love our enemy and pray for our enemy and forgive our enemies. That's what the gospel says. That's what Jesus did. Even on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Jesus says as much here. A brother of two of the Egyptians that were beheaded not long ago, was asked a question by a reporter, and the reporter was this. What would he say if he were asked to forgive ISIS? And the brother said, I'll tell you what my mother would say. She said that she would invite the killer into her house. She's an uneducated woman in her 60s, 
And she said she would ask him to enter her house and ask God to open his eyes because he was the reason her son entered into the kingdom. And then she said that she would invite the man to pray. Knowing that he probably wouldn't, she would pray for him. And this would be her prayer. Dear God, please open their eyes to be saved and to quit their ignorance and the wrong teachings they were taught. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ could give a mother who just lost two sons that the world could witness because they professed faith in Jesus. We're called to love. We are called to pray. And we are called to forgive. And so tomorrow, seven in the morning until five in the afternoon, we're going to open up the chapel. As I mentioned earlier, would you please come? If you can't get away from work or from whatever it is you're doing, just pray where you are. Moms, if you're at home with the children, bring the children. Bring them into the chapel. The noise won't bother us. It'll remind us how to pray for them, this future generation of those who will take the cause of Christ to the world. Would you come? Come as long as you can. We've tried to make it available as long as we can so you can come at different times. Come, because prayer is powerful. It's one of the means of grace that God has given us. And my friends, we're soldiers, and we're in war. Come and pray. Thursday at noon as well, that national day of prayer. Come and pray for our country, for the leaders. Come and pray. And as we do, I want to close by reading something that I came across on April 20th. The evening devotion by Charles Spurgeon offered me great hope in the midst of feeling overwhelmed by what I was seeing on TV. Listen carefully. This is very powerful. Spurgeon said, Now let the people of God stand fast in their ranks and let no man's heart fail him. The Savior is, by his Spirit, still on earth. He is ever in the midst of the fight, and therefore the battle is not doubtful. Do you believe that? Say it if you do. Do you believe that? Say it like you believe it. Amen. Yes. Something. Because it's a war. It's real. Wake up. Wake up. He will win. We don't need to doubt that. But the persecution we're going to see and feel is greater than you believe it is. Would you wake up? And would you help me wake up too? It's very real, brothers and sisters. He continues. And as the conflict rages, what a sweet satisfaction it is to know that the Lord Jesus in his office as our great intercessor, is pleading for his people. And here's my favorite part. Oh, anxious gazer, look not so much at the battle below, for there you will be enshrouded in smoke. But lift your eyes where the Savior lives and pleads, for while he intercedes, the cause of God is safe. Lastly, let us fight 
as if it all depended on us. But let us look up and know that it all depends on him. Amen? Let's stand, brothers and sisters, and sing with full voice the hope that we have in the triumphant Christ.